Hello and welcome, everybody. It's the comic book review. Normally, we're the Star Trek comic book review, but uh, Donovan and I was just thinking about it, and we're almost almost finished with all all the publications of Star Trek. And we were looking around, wondering what else could we review out there that we love in the science fiction ether that have comic books. And Ken had a very good idea. He said, since we're almost done with Star Trek, we should do the second most popular sci-fi franchise with Star at the beginning. And I, of course, said, oh, cool, Starship Troopers. (laughs) And then Ken was like, no, 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 it's Star and then a four-letter word. And took me a while, but what would you finally recommend? Well, Stargate, of course. Of course. I mean, that's the true second one, not, (laughs) not Starship Troopers. Yeah, that's true. Greetings, fellow Stargate travelers, and welcome to the Stargate comic book review. Please join Ken and Donovan as we review every Stargate comic book ever published. Brace yourselves for the action adventure and even humor that the Stargate franchise is famous for. Stargate is trademarked by Metro-Golden-Mayer Studios. Inc. Come on. So, uh, so yeah, so we're s- this is the inaugural episode of the Stargate comic book review. Exactly. And, and nothing else we could have picked that would be more popular with the word star at the beginning followed by four, word, four letters. Nope. Nothing. It. So, there you go. I, could, I couldn't think of anything else. I, I, me neither. And we're pretty smart. We're pretty smart guys. And, you know, Stargate, like Star Trek, has had several TV shows, an animated show, comic books, novels, audio dramas. Exactly. uh, Several movies. You know, it all started off with one movie, but that's not the only movie they've had. So Exactly. So So, why not? It fits the mold that we've already set up with the Star Trek. Right. And they got they get they got captains and they got ships and they got uh, adventurers and they've got uh, paramilitary kind of well actually pretty military kind of uh, heroes going out and doing daring do without uh, throughout the galaxy and several other galaxies too by the way um, so yeah let's do it so we're doing it and, yes. and of course and so um, Donovan had the idea hey let's go ahead and start with the first comic book series that was a sequel to the original movie. Exactly. So, seemed like a logical starting spot. Exactly. So there were three... The beginning. Exactly. (laughs) The beginning. (laughs) Or actually the sequel, which is kind of the beginning. Sequel to the movie is the beginning of the comic book book series. And there are uh, many comic book series out there, and uh, we just love bringing them to you. But we're starting with the first one, which, handy... There are three issues involved. And that fits our normal three issues per episode uh, template. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it, 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 it's a good time period. Um, so, as everybody knows, Stargate was a major motion picture. came out in 1994. And then um, this comic book is a sequel to that, plus... Uh, Entity Comics, which is the publisher of these books, also did an adaptation of movie also in 1996. So there was a good year between the movie coming out and them starting to produce the the merchandise. Right. I'm sure nobody had any idea how popular Stargate would be. Uh, The movie was quite popular. It did quite well. 
Um, and I think it, it definitely gained more uh, fandom as uh, time went on. So they probably didn't know, Entity Comics didn't know it would be something worthwhile going after, uh, so it probably took them some ramp-up time. Right, right. I imagine. So we don't normally review movies, so we're not going to do the, the three-part, or actually I think it was a four-part um, miniseries for the adaptation. Yeah. I did read it going into this because I'm not as big a fan of Stargate as Kent as Ken is, so I needed the refresher on what was going on. So I did read both the comic book and rewatch the movie and read this one. So uh, I think I'm up to speed, but I'm sure Ken will uh, school me on on things as we go along. I'll school you on everything I can because I just I just love being a smarty pants. <laughs> Well, that's good. Right. So the first series we're doing is called Doomsday World. Doomsday World. And uh, so we're going to see what story they came up with that uh, went beyond beyond where, where the movie, movie ended. Okay, so uh, let's do the three issues. Doomsday World. And I'm doing the first one. So this one is uh it's just uh, there's no special titles that I ever that I ever saw. So this is issue number 1 of 3. Its published date is November 1996. The creative team is made up of writer Raf Inco and John Migliore. I have no idea if I pronounced that right or not. The artist is also the same guy as one of the writers, Raf Inco. And colors are by Planet Mouse, M-A-U-S, not M-O-U-S-E. Letterer is David Lawrence, and the cover art is done by, uh, again, Raph Inco. And I probably pronounce that three different times every time I say it. Editor is Don Chin. So the cover, a kind of a grab-you cover... Uh, features a muscle-bound alien soldier guard that we will meet at the end of this issue. He wears golden armor with uh, forearm-mounted guns and toothy-looking like blades, nasty blades on there. And um, the headpiece, the golden headpiece he's got on, kind of looks like one of the, like, Egyptian... uh, God kind of uh, motifs that we did see in the original movie. Um, so it isn't exactly the same. They've done some spins on things, but um, it look it, same kind of feel to that. Some of the guards that were in the movie look a little bit like this guy, uh, muscle bound. Um, you know, he's got the loincloth on, and then everything else is golden, and um, he looks like a pretty intimidating. Dude, and it looks like he is coming through a stargate because you can't see his left uh, foot. So it looks like he's coming through, looking for action. And uh, text on the bottom says Doomsday World. Uh, stargate is at the top, wording in big uh, in, in the in the font, the Stargate font. And then it's by Entity Comics, and it would only cost three fifty. Hey. Dr. Joel Murphy stands ramrod straight and muscular in front of the Stargate's device, originally discovered in Giza decades ago. He is addressing a small audience of military men that includes a general. He says, given the report brought back to them by Colonel O'Neill, 
it underscores the fact that this alien gateway to countless star systems is, uh, throughout our galaxy, can either be a huge step forward or the greatest threat humanity has ever faced. He goes on to say that though Stargate Command has been able to secure their Stargate, there does not appear, that does not appear to be the only one. Dr. Murphy unveils a large tank containing the upper half of, half of a huge humanoid that is clearly not from Earth. He says this incomplete corpse was found in the South Pacific. It appears the visitor partially came through a stargate, uh, through into our world, um, through a second stargate. The general comprehends the implications and contacts his superiors immediately. Soon afterward, the aircraft carrier Storm Guard is dispatched to the island that is thought to be the most likely location of the second Stargate. As they approach the island, Commander Klaus wonders whether the elevated radiation levels in the waters around the island had any effects on the local sea life. Her question is answered when a huge sea serpent rises out of the water and attacks her. She orders her men to open fire, but to no avail. Bullets seem to have no effect on the beastie. The fight continues. Klaus rides a superbike that happens to be on the aircraft carrier. And the aircraft carrier, as she's going down it, the mutant alien sea serpent is actually following her. So she's able to lead the thing under some heavy equipment that's being held aloft by a crane. And when the mutant sea serpent comes to the right spot, they drop the heavy equipment and it squishes the beast into a little bloody pulp. The battle won. Commander Klaus gives the orders to board the smaller landing craft that will bring them to the island. They go ashore and meet their guide, named Mutafi, who turns out to be a hulk of a man. Big guy. They hike up a mountain and see what looks like Egyptian hieroglyphics along the way. Dr. Murphy, an expert in uh, cryptics and all things Egyptian, translates it. It says it's a warning not to proceed. They continue on anyway, until the man on point named Falcone, is blasted backwards. They stick their heads over the rise and see a smoking golden gun attached to the massive arm of a massive humanoid. A soldier guard of some kind, in golden armor that looks strangely Egyptian. In an odd form of broken English, the guard tells them to go now or die. Dr. Murphy attempts to reason with the Bane-looking goon, but to no avail. The Golden Guard attacks and cuts through Klaus's men like tissue paper. Klaus orders Johnson to start the counterattack. They open fire on the Hulk, but the bullets just bounce off his armor. The guard continues forward and skewers several of Klaus's men. Unexpectedly and suddenly, Murphy steps forward to face the berserker with a strange silver device on his back. Murphy fires two metal projectiles attached to silver cables that run back to the backpack on Murphy's back. It's a super-duper taser 
that unloads a not insignificant amount of current into the mountain of a man. The prototype weapon is left on a tad too long, and the guard blows up real good. The impediment removed, they continue forward until they see a huge ancient pyramid, and more importantly, the second Stargate. To be continued. Da-da-da, yes. Uh, yes, yes, excitement. What do you think? What I think is uh, Murphy, when he shoots that thing, he's going to get one heck of a wedgie. <laughs> okay. Because the panel that shows him coming out holding those grenade-looking things on his wrists. Right. And the cable goes between his legs. Ah. And then he gotcha. shoots them. He does. And they go a long ways. And uh, they're going to come right up to the crotch. Oh, that's a good point. I'm, I'm looking at that now. Yes. You yeah, so, happy. so it's like grenade kind of things that have some kind of a propellant behind them or something, like little rockets or something. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, good With point. The tether between the legs. Mm-hmm. Right up the butt crack. Exactly. It's going to hurt. Well, apparently not as bad as what happened to uh, the guard. Yeah. Can we talk about the guard? Sure, let's talk about the guard. Um, one, it does not look like the Egyptian uh, people from Stargate, the movie. Not at all. It doesn't have the big headdress that you know, looks really cool that... Uh, not practical at all, but looks really cool with the, uh, you know, animal head at the top of, uh, of a, a large helmet thing. Right, right. Uh, this guy just looks like, like the predator. So he mm-hmm. he has a thing right over his mouth and and nose, mm-hmm. and then he has maybe like a, like a headdress of some sort in the back of his head, but it, his eyes and forehead are, are un, uncovered. Right. Yep. And he looks like the Predator. He's just gigantic. He has uh, wrist blades and mm-hmm. uh, hand-mounted weapons, uh, cannons of some sort, on his hand. Yes. That's a very good point. That's, and, and his guns look really nasty. And very what? handy, since there, I mean, it has, like, what, what, four or five different barrels all next to each other and, and, and hooking onto the rest of the golden cuff around his uh, wrist. It looks pretty right. nasty. Although I'm not sure where the bullets come from, if they are bullets at all. Maybe it's energy based. I don't know. I assume it's energy based because that's what Raw's staffs were in the movie. True, true. And you notice they they did say the bullets were bouncing off of his armor, but really, when you look at this thing, it's bouncing off of his bare legs too. So right. I don't know what this thing is exactly. Although it looks it looks like it might have been human at one time, or maybe it's alien. Not sure, but. Uh, it's got bulletproof skin. Right, which makes no sense. It no. does not fit the lore that we had established in the movie. Well, no. No. But SG-1, just to talk a little bit for a moment for the first TV series, it did some retconning, too. But, you know, it it was a lot closer than this. Right. But But maybe, you know, they... Okay, this is the first issue, but... They they did go big with this in a lot of ways. There's um, it uses it's trying to sell itself real hard. Right. So you got sex, sexy stuff going on. You don't actually have sex, but basically, you know, Commander uh, Alexandria Klaus is a really hot blonde who basically has a perfect body and is in every panel showing it off in. St- Stupid supermodel poses. Right. Yes. Yeah, she looks like 
Barbie with the the legs that are like twice yep. as long as the rest of her body. Yep. And tiny little nose. Tiny little nose. But she's tough as nails, baby. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, they act like they don't. Uh, you know, they act like she's having to earn everybody's respect. But I mean, she is already the commander, so it's like, who is she really trying to prove herself to? But right. She's doing it, and she's uh, kicking butt. She's like an Ellen Ripley here. Yeah, she is. Uh, only, yeah. So, and she's not part of the military, even though she has rank. Or at least her, her outfit is just like a, um, I don't know, something you get at the Gap, except with guns. <laughs> and pouches. This is the 90s. Lots of pouches. And, and the 90s was all about unrealistic armor on superheroes and pouches. <laughs> and uh, this this comic book really feels uh, dated as far as this is a comic book of the 90s. And yeah. that's that's the art style that was really popular at the time. Yeah. So she's got um she's got she got the gun at the side, but she's got like multiple pouches that are uh are affixed to her legs by straps and they just seem to be independent pouches that are there. And and her outfit kind of looks like jean pant jeans. Is that jeans? Looks, it's like looks blue. Like jeans, yeah, right. And then kind of like a vest, a blue jean kind like of vest. A, a jean vest, yeah. There you go. And then a white shirt of some kind. Um and oh oh she's got the hair, she's got the look. Anyway, yes. so 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 they really want you to to dig this. Um, the guys are typically pretty big, and definitely Doctor Joel Murphy is a big guy. I mean, he's the biggest. Well, okay, I shouldn't say that. For as far as the heroes are concerned, he's probably the second biggest guy. He is big. He is muscular, but he's the doctor. It's like. When does this doctor have the time to build up a body like that? Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, so Murphy's the blonde guy, right? Murphy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Murphy's the bl- the blonde guy, yeah. Yeah, the one that's been there from the beginning. Who's right. the second guy that shows up in the shorts? Oh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger looking dude. Yeah. Now that's uh, Mutafi. Mutafi, yeah. Yes, and he does yeah. nothing. And spoiler alert: he does nothing in the other two issues either. <laughs> So, well, he's their guide. He's like, hey, he's you the go guide, to the... but I guess he's been to the Stargate already because he had somebody had to have brought that body back. I don't understand where that body came from at the beginning in the water. Yeah. And well, they found like, him in the water. We found it. Yeah, but where did it come from? I don't know, but I don't think I don't know if it necessarily came from that island. I thought they found it in the South Pacific, floating around. And they around. just assume that this is the most likely place. I don't know how they figured that out, but they did talk about a lot of radiation. And if Which it is, is why the kaiju suddenly showed up. <laughs> oh my god! This, yeah, the certain serpent or whatever that was. That was kind of stupid, but but yeah, okay. So <laughs> this is a comic book. It's aimed at adolescent males. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm painting a stereotype, but that's pretty much what it is. Um, and uh, Although, really, you know, when I was just thumbing through it, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be horrible. I'm just not going to like this at all. I, I, I don't see Daniel Jackson. I don't see uh, Jack O'Neill. I, I, I'm not going to like this. And what the heck is... Th- what's this girl? What's Bambi doing here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got to say that once I read it, it's like, okay, you know, it's not Tolstoy, but <laughs> it's an okay. It's an okay story. I, I you know, by the end, I, I kind of liked it. Right. I agree with you. I uh, I was not familiar with Stargate that much. I watched it back in '95 and had never seen it again uh, before you recommended this. So I went back and read the comic book adaptation first and hated it because yeah. the adaptation was so. 
I don't. I hate to say something bad about it. it. The art style was very similar to this, but the writing was just. If you didn't see the movie, you would have no idea what's going on. So, mm. like when she dies, right. and then he takes her to the the water Sarcophagus to bring her back thing. to life. Sarcophagus None of that's thing. in there. He's just suddenly pulling her out of the water, and it's just out like, of water. Out of the sarcophagus, and I okay, and okay. I not have seen the movie in twenty something years was like, what just happened? Yeah, she's back to life because of water. What's going on? I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, I yeah. was totally confused. the The story was horrible. Yeah, and then I, so I had very low hopes on this book, but I liked this these three issues as not a not not it's not the greatest story I've ever read, but I liked it. I mean, it was a product of its time. I love the alien stuff that was coming out in the nineties. So mm-hmm. uh, this this would have. This would have been uh, right up my boat back then. Right. I had bought the book that came out in 95, which was called uh, Rebellion, mm-hmm. which it dealt with what uh, O'Neill and Jackson were doing after the movie, okay. which I kind of think maybe that's why Entity Comics didn't bring them in. They kind of did their own thing because the books came out first and they mm. were already uh, continuing their story. Right. Um, so they which stayed I did, away from it. Yeah, which I did read before we did this and – it's good. It, 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 it's it's a lot like the movie as far as it's a direct sequel. Everybody that lived at the end of the movie is in this book. And it was kind of like how the military were now coming into the – through the Stargate to kind of take over the quartz manufacturing or uh, mining. Oh. And how the how Oh, the because they wanted were, that material? Yeah. And the people were like, well, how are these guys, the U.S., any better than Raw? You know, right. that kind of thing. And I was just like – you know, it's called rebellion, and I was like, "Oh man, they're right. This kind of a rebellion against the U.S." You exactly, know, exactly. We're, they're kind of coming in there to take over Raw's spot. It was really good. I, I highly recommend anybody reading it if you like Stargate the movie. Oh, good. And okay. uh, it really continued with uh, Daniel and his marriage and stuff. I liked it. Good, excellent. Okay, I'm gonna have to get that one. I don't have it. Entity did do a uh, adaptation of it too, so I, I couldn't find that one. It's like ridiculously expensive right now, so uh, I'll probably mm-hmm. never watch, read it. But uh, but they did do a mini series of it too. Cool. And but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about issue number one of Doomsday World. <sighs> exactly right. Um. So as far as the art style goes, one of the things that is really prevalent in this all these issues is hands. I don't know why, but the artist really likes to draw people with their hands outstretched towards towards the reader. I mean. Um, Almost every time you see Klaus, her mm-hmm. hand is outstretched. Even when she's riding the motorcycle, she has one hand on the handlebar and the other hand outstretched uh, through a lot of the panels. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that every time you introduce somebody or anything, they're like their hands are out towards you. Pretty much. Did, mm-hmm. did you notice that too? Did yeah, it bother you? Yeah. Did you? I did you... <clears throat> I really didn't notice it. But oh, you're okay. right. I mean, now that you mention that, I'm kind of looking at it again. And I am seeing in many panels characters have their their hands extended. Even on the cover of this one, it's the you know the the guardian or whatever the gold guardian, mm-hmm. and he has his hand outstretched to you. Yep. So it's just like, man, they really like that pose. Right. <laughs> and again, I think it's like the Rob Liefeld. You know, he was the artist at the time, and he he did those dynamic shots, mm-hmm. and that was kind of what he was really famous for. And, and I really think this artist is kind of trying to get into that same mindset. Hmm. Well, tiny hands, tiny feet, larger than normal proportion bodies and legs. Especially on women. Yeah. 
I mean, there are some panels here where uh, Klaus's breasts are in. They're very well outlined in that on that white shirt she's wearing. I I don't think that's normal. <laughs> you know, I was gonna say uh, a lot of times with that jacket they didn't kind of overemphasize their breasts like they do a lot in other books. But uh, but there well, are it depends panels. on the panel. But yeah, yeah. And, and then later when she's like jumping a lot in the next couple issues, oh. it, I, I, that's when I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> they just they were saving it for later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and every time she fights and stuff, she's like acrobatic. She's like all over the place. She's in the air, and when she's in the air doing an attack, it is in a, a sexy, sexy way. So there you go. Okay. Characters. May I mention characters? Please. Okay, we kind of went over some of them. So there's no Jack O'Neill, no Dr. Daniel Jackson, although they were mentioned a few times in the book. Name uh, drop. Uh, sure. Exactly. Name drop. They, they, they read their reports, whatever. But, so we have Dr. Joel Murphy, which I mentioned before. You know, he's, he's, he's a big, muscular, blonde guy. Uh, smartest guy in the room kind of character. Um, and so you need him. So he's the guy who knows all the science stuff, but he's kind of, actually, he's kind of a combination of Daniel Jackson and Jack O'Neill in the fact that he knows all the science stuff and he's really good about that stuff and he's smart and everything, but he's also got this huge, uh, physique. And, um, even though he doesn't go to fisticuffs with people, he he is usually ending up solving situations uh, sometimes by killing people, but um, you know so he gets the job done, and he's kind of a combination character that's kind of hard to uh, accept as real. Um, and then uh, speaking of accepting as real, Commander uh, Alexandria Klaus, very attractive uh, blonde lady, always striking supermodel poses. I think we've talked about her before. Supermodel poses for no apparent reason. Okay, third main character is Stillwater. I don't know what his first name is, but he's supposedly a military observer. At least that's what Klaus says he is. But really, he keeps on saying he he is Klaus's uh, uh, boss, uh, ranking officer. I, I'm, I'm your superior officer, he says on several occasions. And Klaus is laughing at him. Uh, but of course, those main characters don't have uniforms or anything. They just have kind of like you know, like either normal clothes or kind of like maybe safari things, kind of, sort of. But they don't have any kind of rank on or anything, but whatever. Right. So right. I, I really don't know what organization they work with. I mean, in all the Stargate things, they were, it was, it was all a, uh, it was all part of the Air Force. So um, this organization that has some military people in it, I, it's it's just hard to know what's going on, but Stillwater definitely is with is with uh, the military, um, uh, U.S. military, obviously. Right. Uh, Butafi is the huge guy who's the guide. I mean, he's big, and and I, I he looks like he's a very light colored uh, Negro man, and he. So I thought I thought he was like Teal'c uh, or something from from SG One, uh, of course, who is the ex. Gua'uld guard uh, for the Gua'uld who comes on our side. Thank you, Kilk. Great character. Uh, he's basically Worf. Um, and so that's what I thought Mutafi was going to end up being. But uh, but of course, this is before SG-1. 
right. premiered. So this came first. Um, and But he doesn't do anything, like I mentioned before. Anyway. He guides them to the pyramid. Okay, there you go. Maybe. Uh, but but other people are are doing point, not him. So I don't know. Um, and then uh, the last main character really came in around the middle of it is uh, Regalia. So Regalia is the native woman uh, who we will uh, see more of in the next issue. And she is action uh, native leader of the native folk. And she is the brunette uh, opposite number of um, Klaus. So, uh, and she doesn't have much on. And she also strikes odd poses for no reason, although not as much. And then when she fights, too, she has incredible a- a- acrobatics and, you know, for no, no good reason, uh, shows off her wonderful toned physical body. Uh, so there are other characters, but those are the main ones. And none of them have anything to do with the movie. Or SG-1, for that matter, that came after this. Right. So there that's you go. True. So those are the characters. That's that's good. So um, in regards to the Stillwater thing, mm-hmm. um, did you get confused when they're on the um, aircraft carrier and they're kind of bickering between Murphy, Klaus, and Stillwater, where Stillwater refers to somebody as Stillwater, which he says, I'm watching you, Stillwater. Don't try to surprise me with your little tricks, okay? And I was just like... Stillwater says that about him. Yeah, Stillwater says that about himself. (laughs) I missed that. I I had to go back and reread these, like, two pages, like, over and over again, like, is there two Stillwaters? (laughs) So I was... uh, and then I was like, well, maybe there's somebody right behind Stillwater that's the one talking. But uh, I don't think it is. I think it's just... No, uh, you're right. I think there's only one person on that panel, and it's Stillwater. It's, and it's he's gotta referring be a letter- to somebody it's named It's got to be a lettering error. It's got to be. Yeah, it should say Murphy, I think. Yes, exactly. They got the names wrong. Yeah, I was really confused. And I only knew that he was Stillwater because on the panel right beside that, He's the only one that actually has a name badge that says Stillwater. <laughs> Stillwater. Right. Like, all right, I'm pretty sure he is Stillwater, and he's yeah. talking to himself. Right. Kind of weird. And also, Klaus calls him Stillwater, so we know he's Stillwater. Right. But yes, what he what Stillwater says <laughs> is odd. Yeah, he's probably and, and and that's really early in the book, and I just came off of reading the adaptation, which had really funky writing. So I was just like, oh my goodness, this is going to be like this too. I, 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 was, <laughs> I was really worried. What, but then what the did I let myself get into? Yeah. Then the story picked up and I really liked it. Yeah. All right, anything else for this issue? I just want to make, say one more thing, which is kind of a general thing. Um, the comics say the Stargate uh, that, that they got in Colorado is kept in Creek Mountain in Colorado. Um, and that's the same location, by the way, in the movie. So it, it's consistent with that. However, in the TV series, they had they had it that it was kept under Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado. And Cheyenne, Cheyenne Mountain is a real place. And um, it's the home of NORAD, North American Aerospace Defense Command. Okay? So, and of course, NORAD's job is to, you know, keep their eyes on the Soviets... Uh, missile launches and military aircraft uh, movements. So, um, 
they took a real name of a real place that kind of would make sense where you might set up shop with this thing right. uh, within a mountain. So I kind of like that in the TV series. But uh, apparently, I, I tried to find out whether Creek Mountain is actually a real place, and I could not find it. I used Google Earth to try to find it. Yeah. And um, I searched on Creek Mountain, Colorado, but the only hits I got was Pole Creek Mountain and Bear Creek Mountain in Colorado. So hmm. it must apparently it's made up. Or maybe sometimes people call it uh, Cheyenne Mountain Creek Mountain? I don't know. I don't know. I just thought I'd mention that. Because in the TV series, which I'm much more familiar with, because uh, I... I Ten, ten seasons. I think it's ten seasons. Um, yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Um, and it was always Cheyenne Mountain. So that's like one of those things that's drilled into your head, like the Enterprise. So when I saw it said Creek Mountain, I was like, what the heck? That's not right. Anyway, uh, had to look it up. It. Had to look it up. Had to look it up. That's funny. That's the last thing I have to say about this one. Yeah, I definitely going to watch some of that show, you know, now that we're going to do all these books and most of the other comics have to do with SG one, so mm-hmm. gonna have to get boned up on ten seasons of a show, <laughs> plus all the spinoffs. Well, um, you have more time to stay at home and do that, possibly. That's true. We're in the middle of the whole COVID thing, so uh, yeah, gonna be doing a lot of staying home. Yes. So um, one thing that I wanted to ask about this book, um, you being the the Stargate aficionado, um, it seems like this Stargate's always open. Is is that right? Does it stay open all the time? Because I thought they only stayed open for a very short time after you rotated those big um, those big dials <laughs> to lock in the seven exactly. seven figures that are going to take it's you to like, the other side of the galaxy. It's like a dial phone, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is kind so, of funny. So, so this one that's inside of a mountain, you only see part of it, anyways. It doesn't seem to have any rotating bits, and it seems like it's always on. Um, I, I, I'm sure you may, it may have led you to that, but no, it's not always on. And in fact, at least the TV show, um, they actually have an iris, a, I forgot whether it was titanium, it was made of some really strong metal, but it's an iris that closes over the, over the Stargate, um, and because it's like only like scant, you know, millimeters away from the actual event horizon, which is what this is supposed to be, that you come through. Um, it stopped, I think for all ten seasons, it stopped everything that tried to get through. Uh, but you do have to turn it on also. So in the in the TV show, it, you know, the more times than I can count, uh, they said, gate activation. And the thing is, you know, it's like, like your phone at home. <laughs> Other people can activate your phone um, and by calling you on, on your number. And in the same way, uh, people off-world could activate the Stargate, uh, as well as the people that were in Cheyenne Mountain, you know, controlling it directly. They could right. activate the gate. Um, the thing that's weird about this is when they got the, the Stargate going uh, in, in Cheyenne Mountain and stuff, it was like the big thing was, oh, it, it's taking enough electricity to power a city for a year or something, huge amounts of power or something like that. Yet you've got other Stargates, like on the Stinkin' Island, that doesn't have any electricity, and it's just fine. It's working fine. 
So there are some inconsistencies that I always found kind of odd about the Stargates. But, um, yeah, it definitely does not stay on all the time. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah. But this one, this is the one that I just, it, I mean, it shows that it's open. It has, yeah. like, the little water effect coming off of it. Right. It and like it doesn't seem to ever rotate when Guardians pop out of it yeah. and stuff. So I was just wondering if they're supposed to all rotate. No. Well, it's supposed to rotate, and it's not supposed to be on all the time. But right. I, I, I think they just simplified things a bit in the comic. Right. And then my last comment about this issue is that um, it costs $3.50. Yeah. So uh-huh. in in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, um, I was a big fan of Alien, Predator, you know, mm-hmm. uh, other Dark Horse science fiction um, franchises. Um, and those issues were always $2.50. So when I saw that this was three fifty, I was like, ah, I think in 96 they were still two fifty. So I even went back and looked at some Dark Horse aliens at the same time, and it was still three fifty. So it cost you an extra dollar to get this one than it would for a similar issue of Aliens. Hmm. So just just throwing it out there. I'm just I'm just saying. I did. Did you see the increase in quality worth the extra money? Uh, no, not really. Oh, okay. Um, Entity Comics did not stick around for too terribly long. This mm-hmm. was their only franchise they did. Um, and in fact, I think their last book was that uh, Stargate Rebellion adaptation. Hmm. But all their other ones kind of seemed like, you know, uh, very, uh, I don't know, odd, odd, odd titles. So mm-hmm. I, I, unfortunately, I think this this publisher just didn't make it. I kind of wonder if maybe Stargate is the one that put it under, is that they <laughs> they got the big license and then they just couldn't... They couldn't actually sell couldn't, it up. They couldn't move so enough books. I, I don't know if that's true, so that's total speculation. But it just seems odd that that's some of the only books they, they had. Which is why that Stargate Rebellion is so expensive, because I guess it's a, they didn't produce a lot of it. Mm. Okay. Alright, so shall we move on to issue number two? Let's do it. All right, so issue two came out on December 1996. Um, all the writers and artists and colorers and uh, letters and edits, all the same, same people from last issue. Uh, this cover is uh, just shows a woman, uh, a warrior woman, dressed in a red loincloth and um, kind of top, uh, standing in front of a stargate holding a spear. So this story picks up right where the last one left off with the um, Alexandra Klaus and her people uh, are finding a working Stargate and the Pyramid in the tropical island. Uh, The blonde man Murphy is tasked with closing the gate. He does state that he was briefed by O'Neill and Jackson themselves prior to this mission. As he heads towards the gate, a spear lances towards him and would have killed him if not for the fast refluxes of Klaus and her pistol shot that destroys the spear mid-air. The native woman named Regula arrives with her tribe of warriors. In her language, she tells them that she and her men are there to protect Ra's Stargate, with their lives if they need it. Elsewhere on the aircraft carrier, the U.S. military prepares to drop a nuke onto the island to prevent any type of alien invasion. Back on the island, Regula proves that she can speak English as well, and she tells Klaus to leave. Klaus refuses, and a fight between the women begins. 
Soon, all soldiers and warriors are in hand-to-hand combat. As the fight ensues, Murphy breaks away to try to disable the Stargate. When he arrives to the gate, he finds that Stillwater and another guy are already there. But this other guy obviously doesn't know what he's doing, and he gets sucked into the gate and dies on the other side. As Murphy attempts to close the gate, the fist fight comes to a sudden stop when a hulking Stargate Guardian appears. Regalia greets the Guardian, only to be swatted away like a fly. The warriors and soldiers join forces to attack the Mountain of a Man. He slices through several of the men with the large blades attached to his arm, and blasts them into bits with his wrist-mounted cannons. Murphy is able to do something that starts to close the gate. The Guardian tries to jump back through it before it closes, but only gets halfway through before he's ripped apart into two different worlds. Klaus then tells everyone that they have to leave and they have no choice, and that the island only has about an hour left before a nuclear bomb starts to fall. Meanwhile, the nuke-equipped plane is already lifting off and flying towards the island. To be concluded. Oh my gosh! We're using nukes again! Yeah, the Stargate franchise has no problem with using nukes. Right. As uh, There is a long history of nuke usage. After uh, the movie? Well, in the movie, after the movie, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know in the movie. Yeah. And uh, it never made sense why he was going to destroy it on their side. O- O'Neill, I mean. Yeah. I know he was picked because he was already suicidal, and that's why they thought that they could get him to sacrifice himself like that. But, right. I mean, why not just destroy the one on Earth if you think that it's that big of a danger? <sighs> Since they have absolutely... No indication of what's on the other side? None whatsoever. I think the idea that they went across with a nuclear bomb is a little overkill. Yeah, I think I would have sent one guy over first, let him look around, and then bring him back before um, I just sent in everybody and the bomb all at once. Yeah. A a, a quick little in and out, maybe two guys. One guy, two guys, whatever. A little quick in and out. Make sure everything looks okay. Okay, 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 okay. Bring the nuclear weapon across! You know. <laughs> but I think even at that, that's ridiculous. I mean, what did they really think they were going to find? Um, anyway, so I, I guess they figured that if they had the nuclear bomb and they set it off by the Stargate, that would shut off the Stargate and they would be safe. But no, the Stargate on Earth can dial to any one of thousands and thousands of uh, other Stargates on other planets. So um, I don't know what the thought was behind it. Um, all I know is that obviously uh, the writer, Dean Devlin, I think Dean Devlin was the writer. Right. Yep. Um, he probably said, you know, we need a we need a nuclear bomb to go off because that'd be cool. And then we just need to back <laughs> our way into it and just just make it seem like, oh yeah, yeah. They're going across with a box. Nobody knows what it is. And then when you find out it's a nuclear bomb, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes no, yeah, no problem. Makes sense. But <laughs> it, 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 I don't think it does when you think about it. No, it doesn't make sense. Anyway. But it did, it did make a good explosion at the end. It, it went really explodey good. Exactly. Yeah, and that didn't make sense that this quartz 
they kept calling it quartz. Even the science, even the military guy who scanned it quartz said, like oh, metal. it's quartz like metal. Yeah. Um, but then Ra says, I'm going to put the quartz next to the bomb and it'll be a hundred times more powerful. Mm. And then obviously that's what happened when it exploded in his ship. Um, but why, if it's just quartz? <laughs> well, it's a quartz-like material. Now in the TV show, um, that was that's Naquita. Oh, they so, gave it a different name, right? And I I don't recall that they actually used Naquita to build the Stargate, so that was a little bit of retconning. But they do use it as a power source, so they're able to use it in uh, power generating reactors. And Naquita is kind of like the unobtainium kind of thing. So <laughs> it's like, oh, you got they find they spent a lot of time in the TV series looking for uh, Naquita because it pow- it's a very good uh, source of power. And uh, and they use it all over the place to to power things. Um, so so anyway. on the TV show is is Daniel still married to that woman, Shari or whatever her name was? Well, in the uh, first season, they they have all that going on, and then before too long, uh, she's killed, and for for good this time, and uh, you know they, they leave that. I, th- I think it was after the first season. That they mm. kind of got through all that, but Daniel was yeah he was com- completely obsessed with her in the first season. Okay, but so something happens to that planet where they can't just keep getting the the minerals from from those guys. Oh, they go on all kinds of planets. So yeah, uh, and and definitely especially when they get into the Stargate time period, you know, there's a couple episodes where they're going specifically looking for Naquita. And they get like a phone book because it was a big deal in the movie that they could only, uh-huh. they only had the credit they only had the the phone number yeah, they get for a phone one book. planet they get the phone book they do get a phone book they nice. get the phone book and they're just going all over the place yeah. figuring right. things yeah. out and getting into trouble and uh, and that kind of thing um, it's very Star Trekky oh, it's the, very Star Trek Guardian of Forever well yeah yeah kind of kind of but also what is it the the Ionians I don't know what in Next Gen. Yeah, I forgot. It began with an I. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so advanced race. They were all over the place. Oh, Iconian, that's it. Iconian. So the Iconians, who died out or went away or whatever by the time the Federation comes around, and uh, and they have something like a Stargate, right? Right. So, you know, so they can travel between planets uh, using an, an Iconian gate. Um yeah. So I, I don't want to go too much into the later shows, but does it ever explain like Ra was this alien that yes. took, that went into a human's body, and he was the last of their kind, and yes. he was it was his race that created Stargate. So it it continues that too. Yes, only they do a little bit of retconning. So the Guauld are kind of like trills. <laughs> So, they're actually little, like, goopy guys that go into your body physically. And they give you strength, and uh, they take you over. So, they complete... So, the idea of a trill where it's symbiotic? Uh Uh-uh. The the Gua'uls are nasty aliens, and they take you over completely. And they have a whole race of humanoids 
Uh, I think they were all from Earth. Oh, so Raw was not the last one, like they said. No, 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 no. Exactly right. Exactly. So, okay. in, in fact, uh, the first season of Stargate, and I think he, I think he stuck around a while. Um, there was, uh, it wasn't Raw anymore because he's dead. Um, but there's another Guawuld who's the main bad guy, the big gotcha. bad. Gotcha. And I gotcha. forgot his name, but yeah, because in the in the Rebellion book. There is a class of quote unquote gods that mm-hmm. that were not to Ra's level, but right. they were humans that Ra had allowed to to learn about his technology and stuff uh, like that. Mm-hmm. So when he died, then there was kind of like this pa- power struggle between them as to who was going to be the next Ra. Right. And this woman, Hora, Hori, Hori, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was. Like I guess his mistress or something at one time, and and she's the one that's gonna like take over and become the new um, the new controller of of all that technology and, mm. and be the quote unquote god. Mm. Uh, so again, I I thought that was good, but obviously that's not the direction they went in, in the TV show. So no, cool. Now the um, yeah, they're just they're just some nasty parasitic sort of aliens that have a whole minion of uh, humans that worship them as gods and you know they'll take a particularly good one you know when the uh, host body starts dying off and they'll go into a new one right alright cool yeah. and they stick around forever um, yeah they're nasty and then Teal'c is one of those guards um, actually the guards the guys with the helmets and everything that are really strong and everything they actually have in them a uh, a gold symbiote, but I think it was like like it's a child, or it's like some it, it doesn't take you over. I mean, you're still you, but you've got like like enhanced powers and phys- physicality and and speed and things like that. And those are the guards. So the guards keep their personality and their control and everything, but they got one of these like snaky kind of things in them. Gotcha. So when you were reading this comic, were you thinking of this guardian as one of those guys? Um, yes. Yeah. But obviously... I was, it, I was reading it like, why is this guy so big when all of Raw's guards were wimpy and could be taken out by little kids? Well... Um, this guy... Yeah, little kids. <laughs> well, yeah. Dude. yeah, and, and they tried to use the masks, the headsets, and every, or the headdresses and everything to be intimidation and things like that. But they were still... They were so strong, but they made them really strong, you know, in or stronger anyway in the TV series. Mm. And then this like guy, this, this yeah, but this guy's really strong. <laughs> Teal would have been crushed by this guy. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, in the movie, they had those staffs, which they couldn't right. shoot. They shoot. They could hit. Couldn't hit the side 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 of a barn. <laughs> they're they're aiming at their waist. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's they're, why they're I was staffs. watching it with my wife, and I was like, "Yeah, the reason why they can't hit anything is because they they're shooting no, it at their waist." There's no sight. There's no sight on it. Come on. I was like, I, I'm giving them benefit of a doubt why they couldn't hit a single person in that big crowd of uh, slaves and stuff. <laughs> there you go. But uh, but then when O'Neill grabs it, he's like aiming it towards his eyes to shoot him point blank. Right. More like right what in he the chest. Would. Yeah. More but like anyways, but this dude, he's shooting it from his wrist. Yes, wrist-mounted weapons. Which, very, I guess very seems, predator-ish. Seems more practical than uh, the the staff thing. Well, handy, handier, isn't it? Although you can't yeah. use it as a staff weapon. 
in a pinch. But yeah, I mean, it's there. It's big, right there. Big sword on the other hand, so you don't really need a staff. <laughs> well, I, you know, some of them they've got the sword quote sword thing on both arms. Well, as of this but, point, we only have this this guy. Okay, fine. We'll You're, see you more. Might, you might be jumping up. I'm a jumping. Bit. I'm jumping ahead a bit. All right. So back to this issue. Um, it seemed like it was all fighting. So, like any big crossover book. You have your two heroes meeting, and of course they have to fight at first. So just mm-hmm. like so here, Regula and Klaus has to fight, and then all their minions have to fight, and then the big bad comes up, and then they have to join forces to, exactly. to fight. Right. So uh, this issue didn't further the story at all to me. Uh, the, not like the first issue did, which set it up, and the third issue closes it. I think you could have skipped this issue and been been okay. Well, <laughs> you, at least at least you meet the um, you meet the natives. Yeah, you meet them, right? I guess that's good. But but yeah, you're right. I well, mean, so, so there's there's some more characters, a little bit a little bit more development, and lots of action, especially with two hot women. Yeah. And, uh, so you got all that going for you. Then you got the big ending again. Three fifty, well spent for sure. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, so I got a question about the, the the dude that jumped through and got sliced in half. Yeah. Yeah. Is his top half the top half in the first issue? Is it some sort of time oh my travel god thing? a time travel thing? I think I, you're I'm asking, right. Is that something that is that something I, that I, I don't I don't Star think I do? think I think you're actually thinking uh, too much. So you're telling me that somehow they found a random top half? Yes. And then later they're going to have just a random bottom half of two completely different people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. exactly. Well, they All well right. they, they seem to like to have people cut in half by the Stargate, which, by the way, can happen. It's just that's usually when it's turned off. What, so you're partway is. through, it's turned off, and now half of you are in two different places. But but when that guy got cut, it didn't turn off, right? I mean, because it's like you said, it's it seems like it's staying on all the time. Uh, this time, this guy, yeah, supposedly it, it was shut. I think, well, wasn't it? I thought that's what. Uh, he was... I, well, they didn't show it. I mean, if it did, that's fine, but they didn't show it visually. Did they actually? So they said it was shut off. I mean, that would make more sense. You know, yeah, it, 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 it was shut off, and he says uh, Murphy says the Stargate may not remain closed. Oh, there's okay. no way to be sure. Okay, well, but that, then in the next panel, it shows sense. Klaus standing in front of an open Stargate. Yeah. Oh, she says we're too late. It's opening again. So, okay. no, she doesn't. No, it's just open. <laughs> <for> open. <laughs> that's what I'm well, saying. That, it seems well, that's like what it's I open thought. all the time. I, I thought it was open all the time. Uh, you know, those guys were coming through. You didn't know when, and then and then it's he was the one guy was cut in half. But if it's still on, then how is he cut in half? Eh, whatever, doesn't matter. Don't think too much. Yeah, so he did close it, but it looks like it opened up in the next panel. Right. <laughs> and obviously in the next issue, it's open because uh, there's there's lots of... Uh... Don't... Don't don't ruin it. So when this poor Yahoo gets sucked through, mm-hmm. um, it, it seemed like it hurt him. But when, when they went through in the movie, it didn't seem like it was painful. Well, okay, so that guy was somebody that worked for Stillwater, right? 
Right, so yeah. some military guy or something, and he's going to run up there and what? Shut it down? Is that that's what he was doing with that yeah. device that was it's sticking like, out? Of I'm I'm going to close it. Exactly. So and he gets too close. Okay. So so the problem with the Stargate, if you get too close to it, in the TV series anyway, is when it first turns on, there's a big old of uh, energy right. and cosmic particles or something. That, that shoots into the gate room. And if you're in front of it, it will fry you. Instantly. So Fry you, you not, not pull you in. I don't think it pulls you in. It just totally destroys you. Because uh, in the movie, so, it looked like it was water. Like, water came out, and then water came... And then, then it, it kind of came, like came back, and then it seemed like through. it was sideways water. Yeah. yeah, like a sideways pool or something. Right. Right. And, and that's fine. It's just, uh, in the TV series, it will just totally... Make you not exist oh, if you no. if you get if you get um, caught up in that that goes in. Well, this guy seemed to still exist because he's still well communicating. Was, right, so he was sucked in somehow, like he was sucked into um, the negative zone or something. He's just like Bleh! he's like like you know falling forever or something. I don't know. <laughs> So I'm assuming he just went through and then he found this guardian on the other side and, and the guardian chopped him up before stepping through himself. Mm, could be. Could be. All right. So how do how do Stargates work? If um, I open it up, can I go either way or... It's like a transporter. Because in the movie, they they said that they couldn't open it up from the Earth side for them to get through to go back to Earth. Because uh, Frank right, Stewart, right. who's famous for Third Rock from the Red third rock from the sun. He was like, that's not how it works. You have to open it on this side. And I'm exactly, like sitting there right. going, how does he know that? They've never said that. Because he was listening. They never said that. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel's explaining things during the movie. Because <laughs> I was like, why couldn't they just like, hey, we're going to send you through and then we're going to turn it on in five minutes. Come, come back there. Well, it seems like it's a push thing. Okay. It's not a... So... When you open it on one end and open it up on the other side, you can just push things through it. But it seems to for things to come back, you you've got to, to push them through the other side. The other side has to dial into your gate and right. then push things through. It doesn't seem like you can just go both ways. Which that does match what French Stewart's understanding of it was. Right. But that, that was not established before he said that. Well, I so. mean, didn't... Didn't Jackson say, "I gotta find the, um, I've gotta yeah. find the symbols, I've gotta find the symbols, so yeah. that I can dial Earth." No, that's he just the only said, way to get through. "I'll do that when I get there." He's like, "I know how to get it back. I know how to turn it on when I'm over there." And then, yeah, yeah. Then and when then he's he went there, across. He's like, oh, well, and, I need to find the phone number. Well, okay, but he assumed it would be around the gate the way it was in Earth. Sure. I so get it. He, anyway. That's a big assumption. I, it's a huge assumption. But he really wanted to go to, to see what was on the other side of that gate. And and, and he kind Dan Daniel Jackson kind of, you know, he fibbed a little bit. <laughs> and he didn't get sucked in like, like this guy does. Well, I mean, no. He, like, stuck his hands in. Yeah, I don't... I, Watery. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the deal was. I, I, I don't know what they showed here. I don't know what the, the explanation of that was. But I will say, in general, I did not like Stillwater character, but there was one point in the book that it had a little bit of humor that I liked. Oh, yeah? When? So, 
um, when they were trying to deactivate the, the gate permanently on the island and uh, still waters down there. And he says he, he's actually opening up a panel on the Stargate and he's going to, you know, cross the wires or some hot wires. I don't know what, what he thought he was going to do. But um, uh, Murphy, the Dr. Murphy, who should be the guy who's doing that, not Stillwater, but whatever. Murphy says, I hope you know what you're doing. And then in response, Stillwater says, don't worry, I don't. Now stop rushing me. <laughs> so I, I kind of like that. So they they injected a little bit of humor in a few times. That that worked for me. At, uh, not too often, but a few points I kind of liked. So yeah. That's funny. I'd forgotten that. Yeah, so what is a hot wiring? That's not how well, it works. Well, how do you know how it works? It's, 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 an, it's an alien piece of tech. It could be hot wiring. You never know. I guess so. I, I don't know. Okay, so last I guess, thing. So Stillwater is the one that closes it, not uh, not Murphy. Uh, well, I I'd have to go back so. to the book. He was attempting to do it. Yeah. No, you're right. I think it was him. Yeah. And then the, and then the the guardian got chopped in half. All right. right. What else? Okay, I just want to mention one more thing before we go on, and it gets back to the uh, nuclear thing. So mm. I just wanted to mention a few a few a few of the highlights where uh, the Stargate. Uh, heroes used nukes in the in the franchise, and it seemed to happen fairly often. But but most of the characters felt really bad about it. Okay, so the original movie obviously transported the nuke up to Ra's alien pyramid ship and blew up real good. Mm-hmm. So there you go, thumbs up. Um, on Stargate Atlantis, they um, they use nukes fairly often because by the time you get to Stargate Atlantis, they Earth actually has ships. So there was a really funny part in, in Stargate 1, uh, or Stargate SG-1, where, you know, for year every every end of the season would have a cliffhanger, okay, in, in true Star Trek style. And it would always be, oh my God, the Gua'uld is coming to get Earth or something. And then always the plucky SG-1 team figure a way to, uh, to stop it from happening. And... Um, so uh, during one of those episodes, and I'm digressing a little bit, but it, it, it's kind of cool. So um, Jack O'Neill and, and the SG-1 team, they're over on a Gua'uld ship, and they find that there is a uh, an ally there. Um, and that's great. And, and, and they're talking about how they're going to, what they're going to do and how they're going to stop the, uh, the attack on Earth and blah, blah, blah. And then the, and then the, the new ally uh, says, ah, Earth has mighty ships. And, and then O'Neill kind of looks at him and kind of grimaces and says, well, we got a few shuttles. Uh, kind of funny, I thought. Anyway, by the time you get to Atlantis, we've got ships, and they're pretty cool. Yeah, we, so we actually have our own spaceships that actually can fight and things like that. So, um, but uh, in, by the time we get to it, Star, Star, Stargate Atlantis, they're the bad guys of the wraiths, and they're really bad. They're nasty, and uh, you know they're basically like space vampires almost. Uh, and they got ships, and they're pretty nasty ships, and they're hard to, to take out. So what we start doing is we start uh, using transporter technology. They don't call them transporters, I don't think. Anyway, but it's transporter technology, and they transport uh, nukes onto the uh, Wraith ships, and that's how they blow them up. Because they can't 
they, they can't get through their shields or whatever. So that, but they are able to set, you know transport things onto their ships. So there you go. So they transport like they did the nuke up in the Raj ship. Exactly. So they do the same thing again, but they're doing it to these Wraith ships. Gotcha. And of course, this is in the Pegasus galaxy, completely away from our shenanigans in the uh, Milky Way. So it's new to the Wraith, um, but they kind of figure it out after a while. But but they, they do that a lot uh, in Atlantis. Anyway, but there's a few times where they they went ahead and used uh, nuclear weapons on Stargate Two, also the SG One, and um, I don't think they ever had a chance to use them on Universe, Stargate Universe. But um, but yeah, we used it a fair amount. Uh, this comic, um, you know, we're using nukes all over the place in this one too. Um, yeah, anyway. I definitely, I definitely have things to say about the next issue when when we start using the nukes. Yeah, because uh, I, I, it's confusing. Right. So anyway, there's a link in Star Trek StargateFandom.com wiki, and uh, it's titled "Nuclear Warhead." So that's the tag, and, mm-hmm. it, and it talks about different uh, storylines that that end up using nukes. So it was established in the movie, and they went back to it. Uh, on occasion, in the in the later TV series. Gotcha. Well, that's it. That's all I have to say. That's number it? three. Yeah, let's go to number three. Okay, so thrill-packed ending. Okay, so this is issue number three, and it was published January 1997, and all the same people are involved in producing it. The cover features four main characters, the four main characters, Dr. Murphy, Commander Klaus, Stillwater, and Regalia. And there are two, also two generic U.S. soldiers, basically cannon fodder. And they're all coming through a Stargate at the same time. Uh, the most notable thing uh, to me is that, and also rather odd, is that Dr. Murphy is drawn as this massive superhero guy who looks like he's spoiling for a fight. He, you know, the thing you said about fingers being extended, his his fingers, his left hand is extended, his fingers are like out, like almost like a uh, Doctor Strange move. And then his right hand is balled up into a fist, and he looks like he's ready for a fight, spoiling for violence. Um, and then all the other characters look pretty normal. Um, oh, actually, uh, what's nice is uh, Klaus actually looks normal. So she kind of looks cool. You know, like she's she's crouching a little bit, ready for action, but she isn't like striking a supermodel pose. So great. Anyway, they're all coming through the gate, and uh, yeah, Doomsday World. So that's the cover. Okay. Klaus, in yet another supermodel pose, with her attractive bottom thrust out, says their attempt to take or permanently deactivate the gate has failed. This is the gate on the island, of course. So it's time to nuke the island. Yes. We have 60 minutes to evac the island. In reaction, three other characters retort. Stillwater says he is Klaus's commanding officer, so he should have given that order, not Klaus. Regalia says, as the leader of my people, no harm can come to them or her home. Dr. Murphy says... He does not like the military's decision to nuke the island, but he, since he failed to shut down the gate and there's a full-scale alien retaliation that's imminent, 
uh, we really have to evacuate now. So those were the main uh, retorts. Um, so after Stillwater uh, says, I should have made that decision, not you, Klaus, uh, Stillwater surprises everyone by saying non-essential personnel need leave, but we are staying. The A-team is staying to take another crack at securing the Stargate. Dr. Murphy says he was able to secure the Stargate in Colorado, but he had time, personnel to help him, and access to materials and tech. This one is configured differently, and he has less than an hour to do all this before the whole thing goes exploding by the nuclear bomb. In another supermodel pose, Klaus says, You gotta try, Murph. What choice have we got? Over objections, the natives and the non-A-team soldiers depart the island on three boats that are bound for the aircraft carrier. After they are aboard, the carrier departs the island at top speed. And it better be top speed because, you know, it's going to be blowed up real good very soon. The island is, uh, and then the next, next page turns, and the island is nuked as a mushroom cloud reaches for the sky. What you say? What happened to our heroes? Well, not long before the island Armageddon, five massive and pissed alien soldiers come through the Stargate, spouting simple statements like, All are doomed. More come through behind them. The invaders detonate a blast that throws the entire A-team backward without killing them. The Horde advances, shooting and slicing up non-main characters as Klaus spouts off more defiant words and thrusts out her chest and shoots her machine gun. The point-blank barrage of bullets pierces the alien soldier that was bearing down on Klaus, but it's still not stopped. Suddenly, from the bushes, leaps Regalia, who plunges her primitive spear into the hole opened by Klaus's bullets. With Regalia's aid, one alien soldier is taken down, but many more are making cannon fodder out of the other members of the A-team. Suddenly, the alien soldiers stop. They detect that a weapon of great power approaches and run back through the Stargate, stating they will return. The A-team assesses their limited options. Too late to call off the pilot with the nuke, Too late to get back to the last remaining boat and get away from the island. With most of them resigned to becoming ash, Murphy says, I have an idea. Meanwhile, back at the Colorado Stargate, the general says the deed is done. The second Stargate is blown to bits. We've lost our team. Suddenly, even though Dr. Murphy said he deactivated the gate, it activates. They think the worst is about to begin and begin to mobilize to defend against another attack when who steps through the gate but Murphy, Klaus, and the rest. The heroes trade barbs and slightly funny banter as the ultimate life-threatening danger ends for now. Meanwhile, in the South Pacific Ocean, where an island used to be, the glow of light comes from the depths. The end. So I thought that was a reference to Atlantis. Oh, <laughs> I think it has reference to the Stargate that's still sitting at the bottom of the ocean. After the nuclear bomb? After the nuclear bomb. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
I, I, I think that's what they're saying. But Well, that makes sense, but I mean, but, I don't think you can nuke a whole island and it would just suddenly sink. I don't think that's how islands work. Well, I don't know. I don't know either, but they made it look like... Well, okay, so maybe it was a bit off from where the island was, but I thought... I mean, I, I thought... They really leave it open. Right. So, so, so the panels, you're underwater. It shows that there's like little little, little bits of like mountain going up towards the water, but it's not out of the water. And then it just kind of like, kind of sort of goes lower in what it's showing, and then you just see a glow. And I thought that was really cool that they didn't actually show the Stargate, if indeed that's what it was. Uh, I think that's what it was. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's like the best horror is when they don't show you things. I thought that was a really nice way of ending it. Where it really left you up to, uh, left it up to you to, you know, make up your own mind. But you right. knew something was going on. You just don't know exactly what. So you'll you'll buy that next issue if there was going to be another next issue. Right. And there was, by the way. Yeah. Yep. So I thought maybe I didn't think it was really an, an allusion to Atlantis, but I did think that it was odd that uh, this seemed to be underworld underwater. Starkey, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that Atlantis was another planet at the time, so I assumed Atlantis really was Atlantis in the, in the bottom of the ocean. So I don't know. I was, I was thinking, oh, that's kind of con- that's a coincidence that mm-hmm. this one's under the water and Star Stargate Atlantis is under the water, and then well, also this could have been maybe uh, maybe there's another kaiju squid monster that's going to uh, pop up. Uh, no. It could be. It could be. Yeah, and by the way, Atlantis is the spaceship. It's the city. Okay. That's so when they when they beam over to it uh, through the Stargate, um, the whole thing is under the water. So is it already named Atlantis, or do they name it Atlantis because it's under the water? Well, I think they named it Atlantis. Okay. I think um, I don't. Did they know uh, the original creators of the Stargate Network? Did they did they know their language at that point? I'm not quite sure. I don't know. They always called it Atlantis. Gotcha. So anyway, they got enough things working that they were able to rise it uh, onto the surface. And in fact, the pilot first episode uh, of Stargate or Stargate Atlantis is titled uh, Atlantis Rising. Uh, anyway. Okay. So this issue, um, yeah. Did you understand why the island got nuked twice? It got nuked twice. I don't know. It no, just no, random, no, no, Randomly, she's talking about nukes, and then it shows the island getting nuked, and then it comes back, and well, they're not nuked. Oh, yeah, but it, that's like a movie. Oh, you've seen movie things like that. So, so they... Okay, so they show you the end, uh, and then they show you what happened just before the end, right? So... Mm-hmm. Movies do this on on uh, once in a while. Sure, but it you just know. seems really out of place because she's like talking to Murphy about, oh, they're going to drop a nuke, right? And then it cuts to the nuke, yes. And then it cuts back to, well, okay, be- her standing there. I thought that was great. I mean, they, liked they, it. Okay. I loved it. So, I mean, well, loved it. I liked it. I thought that was good because I've seen movies do that kind of thing. And if I hadn't seen movies do that kind of thing, I might have been a little confused. But when you turn the page and see the island nuke, and it's like, what the heck? Because they didn't have much time, granted. But And I thought that was totally stupid <laughs> that they still stayed there. 
you thought it was already over. You're like, well, this is a short issue. <laughs> and everybody's dead. Three, yeah, but but then they, you know, they went. So that was a shock, right? It was shock value. Right. And, and then you go to the next page, and okay, so now they're showing you what happened in the 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it was, uh, you know, before the, the bombs actually dropped. Right. So they had an hour to get everybody off the island, so that took a chunk of time. So when they finally got off the island and went, then how much time do you have left? Not a lot. So, and they should have been working on whatever they were going to do while other people were leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah you guys go. Bye. We got to figure this out. Um, but they acted like, oh, everybody's gone. Now we're going to start working on it. Oh, good luck. You got like 10 minutes. Mm. So, anyway, I thought it was kind of, kind of cool. And then, you know, they went back. Didn't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example of that. But I, we've definitely seen that kind of thing done in movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Just... Yeah. It just seemed abrupt here. Yeah. Almost like the pages were out of order or something. Ah, yeah. Well, uh, again, if I would have been more confused if I hadn't seen that kind of thing done in, in other movies. Right. In movies or something. So, so did you like the ending? I, I did kind of like the ending. Yeah. That they just were able to dial in SG-1 and jump through. Yeah, I mean, okay, so... As I was going through this, and they were running out of time, and then they stupidly said, "Oh, we got to," you know, Stillwater says, "Oh, we got to st- stop and try to try to shut it down." It's like, what? Okay, whatever. Um, I I figured they were going to get out through the Stargate. It's just I didn't expect them to dial into Denver. <laughs> I thought right. they were going to end up going through the Stargate to escape sure death, certain death, but they end up going to some planet they have no idea they didn't have time to dial properly they dialed they went through it and now it's voyager star trek voyager they're you know uh. yeah, they're, they're, so so now they're trying to get make their way back to earth or something that's what i thought it was going to be who knows how long it was going to take for them to get back um but no they were smarter than me they went to denver or right. colorado yeah because that's the phone number they knew Exactly right. Although I don't, I mean, because one of they made in the movie they made a big deal that the seventh digit was the planet. So, yes. So I guess they knew. Yeah. How, how do you dial? Yeah, the movie made a big deal about that. Right. So what happens if you have two stargates on the same planet? How does that exactly. work? Mm-hmm. Right. Good question, Donovan. Excellent question. Yeah, I come up with the good ones. Yeah. So on Stargate universe, mm. which I'm sure we'll get to eventually when we're reading these comics. Uh, they're on a ship, right? So the Stargate's on a ship? Yes. So how does its coordinates work if it's mo- always moving? Well, that's an interesting point because this first came up in SG-1. So um, one of the Gua'uld ships actually had a Stargate on the, uh, on, the, on the Pyramid spaceship. Okay. And Daniel said some, some gobbledygook that explained how it worked if you have a uh, <laughs> if your origin point is actually not fixed. But really, when you think about it, planets move. Planets are in in motion through space, right? So really, it isn't that much of a stretch. But still, yeah. How does it all work? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Yepper. <laughs> So uh, I did not care for the big fight with the the big guys. It 
it didn't really seem to matter. Well, yeah, I mean, they couldn't they do anything. sliced up the the dumb the the cannon fodder guys get cut up in pieces, right? But uh, our main guys can take a blast to the face with a big boom, and then they exactly. just kind of like roll a little bit and get back up. Exactly, and, and in fact, they're they're so unhurt, Murphy's able to make a joke. These guys always start things off with a bang. So great. Yeah, yeah and I, I like how you said that. Fuboom. Fuboom? Yeah, fuboom. Or fuboom. Fuboom. They do it a different way. Fuboom. That's it. What's how it's spelled? On that page, yeah. F F B B O O O M. <laughs> Did I put one too many one too many hours? Well whatever. It's there. It's there. So anyways. I, I don't know, I just kinda missed the uh the look, the aesthetic that the movie had on these guys. Because they don't look like they fit into the movie at all. Oh, and they never say no. that they're Raw's people. No. Uh Regula says she's raw, you know, she's a follower of Raw or whatever, but these guys never say anything, so who knows? They might not even be Part of Ra's army or whatever. Yeah, but of course there is a fourth comic that talks about that. Um. Well, it's a uh, yeah, the little one-off. Yep. Yeah, I haven't, one I haven't finished it. I did start it. One Nation under, under Ra. Or Ra. Something like that. Yeah. No, I haven't read it myself, but I did read about it at, on a wiki. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, it has Murphy. Murphy. Um, but only. But only Murphy. Yeah, just Murphy. Except no one else made the cut. Yeah, no, he's he was the guy. Yeah, and it's kind of so. I read the synopsis of it, and it, it explained a lot of things. Um, I mean, not to not, we'll get to it eventually, so I won't go into it. But but really, there's like a four parter here, kind of, sort of, or at least the continuate the continuation. The story with these char- well, at least one of the characters, uh, goes on for a fourth issue that is very different in look and characters um, to the first three. They're totally different people wrote and did the artwork. Right. Um, so really, it's I mean the the story arc goes four issues. Well, actually, and then there's another one after that, Stargate Underworld, which was also oh, really? a, a one a one. A one shot, and it has Doctor Murphy, Murphy. In it as well, okay. and that one has uh, Doctor uh, Commander Klaus in it too. So, oh, okay, yeah, I don't have that one, so uh, I, don't I, I don't know. I know that the One Nation Under Raw is a black and white comic, yes. So it's a little bit different than this. Um, I'm assuming Underworld is also black and white, but I don't know for sure hmm. since I don't have it. Well, so nice I know that to me, uh, after, but after 1997, they uh, they. Uh, they stopped making comics up until 2003. So a good, a good long time without comics. Right. Then it went to Avatar. Oh, Avatar comics. Okay, so we will discover all these things. Yep. In the coming, yeah. in the coming episodes, there's, there'll be so many. I hope so. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, okay. So was there anything else? Anything else you have to? I, I just want to say that the ending was pretty obvious. 
but I still liked it. Yeah, but I I enjoyed it. You know, I I knew they were going to get out through the Stargate somehow, but uh, I I think it was pretty cool. But nothing was really resolved. The the guys, the big guys, they didn't stop a single one of them. They just rolled a few times when they got shot, and then the, all the guys jumped in and, and escaped. Right. So it was a little unsatisfying that they didn't actually accomplish anything except blowing up the island. Well, they blew up the island. They thought they took out the Stargate, but odds are they didn't. And they lived. I guess that's also a big well. A that's big a plus for them. <laughs> except for all the uh, non non lead characters that got sliced up and shot right. or whatever. And all the animals and stuff that lived on that island. Oh yes, good point. It's, it's not. It wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. Peta would not be happy. Uh, no, no. Uh, and those people had their home there. Um, right. And there was a, yet another pyramid uh, landing pad uh, sitting there, which is another loss. Yeah, I find it hard to believe that there would be another pyramid that we've never seen. Well, this does seem like a kind of handy island, doesn't it? Yeah. One that nobody's explored before that has all this extra stuff. Right, like Skull Skull Island from yep. King Kong. There you go. It's like Skull, exactly, it's like Skull Island. Yeah. All right, what else you got for this issue? I got nothing else for this one, but what? what's the date? Uh, April 1, I think. Hey, oh, the 1st. The 1st of April, yeah. Hey, you know what we normally do on April 1st? Almost every April 1st since we started this What's that, podcast. Kid? We've done April Fools! And I'm <laughs> sure nobody knew that. No one. Everybody would have been surprised. Exactly. We're not stopping Star Trek. Why would we do that? Yeah, at the way IDW pumps them out, we'll never be done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope they keep on doing that. Uh, yes, yes. Happy April Fools. Actually, today is not April Fools. We're going to post it on April 1st. At least we're going to try to. That's coming up pretty quick. Um, yep. But yeah, April Fools. Happy April Fools, everybody. Or, While you're quarantined in your home. Yes, yes. So normally it takes us a year to get anything posted, but this one we're fast tracking. So hopefully we'll be able to get it out indeed on uh, April 1st. Have a chance of people hearing it. Exactly. Uh, Anyway, a chance of it anyway. But yeah, so normally we can't talk about current events, but... Uh, the, but today we can. We can. Uh, coronavirus, it's, uh, it's a very... It's weird. I mean, it's like we have stepped into some kind of novel or something where uh, a set of people, their lives have uh, changed significantly in a way that nobody really expected. If you know, I mean, I, even though I watched... Um, the movie Contagion. Contagion and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I saw I saw Contagion, and uh, I've seen it a few times actually. And I never really, I thought, okay, yeah, it's possible, but ah, it'll never happen. Or odds are, I'm not going to worry about it. But it it, it kind <laughs> of did. But luckily, it doesn't kill everybody. I mean, obviously, right. in the movie, they had to make it more dramatic. Sure. Uh, so this is not. I mean, this this um, actually, I I saw a um, a YouTube video uh, that at least. And it was comparing um, Spanish flu uh, break uh, outbreak that uh, happened in the 1920s uh, mm-hmm. during World War One, uh, and it was comparing the Spanish flu outbreak to uh, 
the coronavirus that we're going through right now. And it was just a fascinating video because, I, of course, I've heard of Spanish flu, but I didn't really remember the details of it. And it's funny how many... Th- I mean, you hear about the Black Plague, you know, all that kind of stuff, but it's like you don't really... There's a lot of details you, you, you have no clue about because you, you're not a historian and, you know, there's TV to watch. So, sure. um, but it was... There's a lot of parallels and um, it's fascinating. Now, now, of course, that happened during World War One, right. where nobody wanted to acknowledge it, uh, especially the U.S. and England, uh, and 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 a lot of the uh, European countries, and because they we were in the middle of a war, I mean that that would show weakness or something or whatever. So there were a lot of soldiers getting sick, and as the soldiers were going home, they brought the sickness with them back oh, to the wow. U.S back to their home countries. It was bad. Um, but so here, here in 2020, few... we also didn't want to admit that it was as no. bad as it is. No. But we didn't have a war to, as an to, excuse. to give an excuse. Exactly. It's more like, ah, you know, give it a few weeks. It'll die down. No problem. Everybody get back to work. It's only affecting the other guys, not us. Exactly. Well, that's not the case. Uh, and definitely, uh, as of today, uh, well, I, it may have happened earlier, but the U.S. was the third highest number of confirmed cases. Uh, and that might have been the case for a while, but, you know, for a while there, <laughs> China and Italy were way Italy. out in front. We were lagging, but, oh, no, we're number three. You know, we've, we've, we've made it up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and that's just the people that are confirmed. Exactly. Not everybody can get tested. Exactly, so you don't know for sure. And it's kind of funny because we have that many confirmed cases, yet uh, we don't have nearly the uh, the number of test kits that apparently China has. You mentioned before we started, um, there's a lot more testing going on in China than here. Right. Yet we're there aren't that many more confirmed cases in China. Because there's an interesting website I've been keeping an eye on, and it posts... Um, you know, updating stats, and it's organized by country, and then you can go within country and see uh, states broken down by U.S. states, and right. I guess it breaks it down by European, uh, Canadian provinces, or you know okay. whatever the country is. I, I, it, I so it goes down as far as the state level. So it's interesting seeing the uh, stats and how they're changing over time. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, and so we're all everybody. You know, we're pretty much in our houses, not out and about that much. I mean, we're going out looking for toilet paper and things. But mm-hmm. other than that, you know, we're not going to our soccer games for the kids. Uh, we're not, you know, going to movies. We're not going to restaurants unless we're getting takeout. We're not going to bars. I mean, I love going to bars. No bars. Um, no movie houses. Um, it's yep. quite a change. Yeah, so I don't know what you've been doing, but uh, I've been spending the uh, the time where I'm not, you know, working, um, rewatching um, Discovery. So I'm almost <laughs> finished with uh, the Discovery. second season of Discovery now. Cool. Well, uh, pock- you know, pockmarked a... with a few episodes of uh, Next Generation, and uh, just because, just you know, when I'm watching Picard, I'm like, yeah, it kind of reminded me of that show episode. I'm right. going to watch that one. Or you saw some reference. Uh, like for example, uh, Achib, when when he when he was killed, yeah, 
it was like um spoiler if you haven't watched uh Voyager yet. I mean uh, uh Picard. Picard. Well, come on by this. <laughs> come on. People okay, fi- fine. Spoiler. I'm going to say something about it. So just All get right. used to spoilers everybody. I mean, uh, whoever might be listening to this. Um I didn't remember all the details of Hib, so I went ahead and and, and rewatched uh, the Voyager episode. I forgot the name of it, uh, where Hib and a couple other kids uh, right. that were Borgified and they unborgified them on the Voyager on Voyager, and all the kids were uh, replaced or put back in their in their home planets. And anyway, Hib ends up coming with Voyager yep. and and becoming part of Starfleet eventually. So. Uh, what so? I, yes, I agree. Things come up like that. It's like, ooh, I, I don't remember all that. Let let me go and look. And uh, yeah, I agree. I love Picard, by the way. Not right. perfect, not perfect. But here we are, penultimate episode we just watched last week. Tomorrow, okay. So th- we're recording this on the twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow is going to be the final uh, episode for the season, and we're going to see what happens. Yep, I'm and looking I, forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, my wife says this is her favorite Star Trek. Well, she she says it's either this or you know she's obviously a Next Generation fan, yeah, but uh, but she she be. thinks this might be uh, edging it out. Wow, she's a huge fan. This okay, so I really like this show, but there is so much. Well, let's see what what how you know how many years or how many seasons Picard has, but obviously. There's a huge amount of uh, episodes and history and wonderfulness that went on with Next Gen. Not all perfect, by the way, but, I mean, I can't compare the two yet. But <laughs> I can say that uh, I'm, I'm enjoying Picard. It's, again, not perfect. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, the things that people are saying they don't like about it, it's like, you bunch of whiners. Just, just go away. Um, I, I I'm enjoying it. It's it's not our father. It's it's not your father's Star Trek, um, and that's that's fine. Yeah, maybe you know? we'll do an episode here soon about you know debriefing on all the all this Picard right. season. Exactly. Okay, and we'll see and, what actually and maybe talk about that Picard novel that that uh, that I haven't quite finished yet. Ah, yes, me too. Uh, I did finish it. And, oh, did uh, you? I, I I like it quite a bit. Oh, good. All right. Um, so, I guess uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed the Stargate little uh, sidestep. Um, <laughs> we are not planning on doing more Stargate, but no, uh, I definitely would wouldn't mind doing it again if if uh, if we really do run out of Star Trek. Um, Stargate would be, you know, is the second most popular star. You franchise. ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. So what, what what about that little thing, Star Wars? Uh, that, that you know what that might that might have been up there. <laughs> yeah, it might have had some popularity. I don't know, maybe in some in the past, and maybe after. Not, after yeah, not, not too popular movies. now. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably you know what, five of the top ten movies of all time. Probably <laughs> grab money making, <laughs> high grossing. Yeah. So. Uh, hmm. Although, can I say something about Star Wars briefly? Because we really got to go. But I am discovering um, Clone Wars, a TV series. It's great. And I just watched the first episode where Yoda versus, you know, legions of uh, uh, of robots. Um, Clankers. 
clankers. <laughs> uh, yeah, heavy, heavy droid guys, and then those guys that roll around. Mm-hmm. Uh, salt, uh, salt droids. I don't know what they're called, but those guys that roll around are pretty cool. Uh, and they're pretty nasty. Um, but you know, uh, Yoda and her th- and his three uh, clone uh, warriors take them all right. down. I right. think that's great. And yeah. then and then he secures. Uh, gung- what are the winged guys? They're not Gungans, are they? No, they're not. Gungans. Uh, they're um, the wing guys. Yeah. Um... Geonosians. Geonosians, okay. And then they secure the uh, the thumbs up from the king to you know have a, establish a uh, a base uh, in right. the star system. I think that was that was that was really good. Oh no, that was the Nemoidians. The Nemoidians. No, 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 no. Um, I don't know. Whatever. The wing Twigarians. The the ones that was like the the Watto from Watto. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Twigar- okay. Twigarians. Well, whatever they are, I thought I thought. This is only a, this is a little little thirty minute slice of uh, Star Wars goodness. This is yeah. great. I, I, I mean, not every episode is. I'm is, glad you're finally that. watching it. Yeah, I mean, this was like it had Yoda, and you're seeing what Yoda can really do. Um, you know. Anyway, what's I, I, funny I, I, I is that that show started when I first met you. No, oh, really. <laughs> so uh, that that project we were working on, yeah, um, a long time ago, over we, over well over a decade ago. I was working on the design up until midnight, mm-hmm. so and then I went to the theater to go see the uh, the Clone Wars um, premiere. Mm-hmm. You know, it premiered as a movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so uh, anytime I think of Clone Wars, I think of that project and and meeting you and all that stuff so ah, <laughs> it's cool. kind of funny that you're you're now telling me about the episodes i watched when i was first meeting you <laughs> there you go cool anyway people if you haven't seen it see it i mean the, the show's over or the last final oh, seventh no, no. season the final seventh oh, season the seventh season's over now too well okay it's still it's it's in the middle of the final seventh season yeah 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 yeah, yeah so sorry but this is the final seventh season i think they're like five episodes into it something like that uh, but this is the last one because Disney edicts, e- you know, edict says it's so, and uh, which kind of sucks because it's well, like eventually George, you got to get to you're going to get too close to episode three to keep doing it. The Clone War would be over. Fine. well. That, that's how they're going to end seven, I'm sure. Right. Uh, you know, going right into the movie. But um, well, Disney's the well, whole I, reason why the seventh season didn't happen years ago. Exactly because they, 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 because they Warner Brothers shut it all down. Service. Can't have Warner Brothers releasing our stuff. We just bought it. Well, yeah, and I think they didn't want other. Well, I don't know. What, I don't know whatever it was. But the people running Star Wars at Disney, I just think they want to do their own thing. I think it's pretty obvious that their own thing. They're trying not to do what George George wants to do. Aww. <laughs> so they obviously they put Lucas in the back seat uh, through three films. And uh, although I understand that they had varying amounts of input from him, anyway, he had he had his treatments for the for the for the sure. for episodes uh, seven through nine, and they pretty much used none of it. But anyway, I think George is going to come back into good graces um, because I think he helped Favreau and uh, I forgot the other guy, Dave Filoni, right? Oh, something like that. Um, do uh, Mandalorian, Mandalorian, to great success. So I, I, 
I think they're going to pull their heads out of their butt and get more input from George. Anyway. There you go. So, so much for Star Wars. That's Star Wars and the Stargate podcast, which is really a Star Trek podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we better end. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week with uh, some actual Star Trek this time. Sounds good. Later. Stargate Comic Book Review is over. Donovan and Ken are done droning on about the second most popular franchise with Star in its name. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. From Colonel Jack O'Neill, Daniel Jackson, guy.